You are listening to The Current Daily, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Tuesday, June 23rd, and for the first time, we are joined by our CIO, Vince Kellen. In part one, Vince provides updates on ESR, the financial impact of the coronavirus, the criteria for returning to the office, and next steps on the Return to Learn testing program. This is Mark Herzberger. Today I'm joined by Vince Kellen, our Chief Information Officer. Vince, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Great, thank you. It's Monday. And how has your personal work-from-home experience been since March? Well, I'm probably in the best of all worlds relative, uh, one prior point in my life when I've done this work, but also relative to the staff. Uh, my kids are off at their universities in Tennessee and Mississippi. So I've got a home office. I'm set up well for it. And part of my past has been working remotely in the consulting arena for you know 13 years, quite a whole bunch. So been doing it a very long time. And so to me, it doesn't really feel like something terribly new, but I'm, I'm in a really good spot for that. When I was younger doing this with young kids at home, we had to make sure we had an office where I could keep the kids out of the way for the time that I needed during the calls. For me, it's working just fine. This is going to air for our staff on Tuesday, June 23rd. So what, what's the most important thing you want the, the folks of IT services to know and do at this moment? Well, right now in ITS, uh, we've just finished the UC Pass Go Live. We got the Finance Go Live coming up. So literally all heads are down and all action is focused on getting us across the finish line in the finance system. Now, I know that once we hit a Go Live, it's not the end. By all means, no, there's lots of work to be done post-Go Live. As the way I describe it, the ship now in the harbor, and it's getting some additional tinkering, and then it heads out to sea, and there's a bit of a shakedown period for the next month or two. So we'll be going through that with finance. So right now for June and into July, it's really absorbing the finance go live and getting that done correctly, and then taking a breath, and then getting on to the next parts of our projects. And so you mentioned the, the UC path that came out July 1st. What are we seeing and hearing about that release so far? So far, so good. While there's been some rework and some little bit of difficulties behind the scenes, there were back office functions. Nobody's pay was materially impacted, and everything was fitting within what I'll call normal operating parameters for a payroll cycle. So we did really good work on that and been going quite well. We have Oracle and Concur coming up next week. How are those two looking? Uh, those two are also looking pretty good. We have a lot of work on index mapping, the cleanup work that we knew was going to happen because of all the indexes that are out there and the transition from the old accounting chart of accounts to the new chart of accounts. So I think that cleanup work will be with us for quite a bit the next month after finance go out. But everything I'm hearing from the teams is positive. As you know, the executives got together about a week or so ago and voted to go, you know, go ahead with the go live, recognizing the fairly good state we're in. You know, it's, a, it's an exciting time to go live with all these systems. To me, it'll even be more exciting when we can shut down the mainframe. How would you assess the overall state of ESR at this moment? The overall state of ESR is, you know, three quarters complete with, now we got one big system to do, and that's the uh, student system. We have event management systems and then some ongoing development in the activity hub land world. 
But the big one ahead of student and everything else is either nearing completion or will complete. So by the end of this summer, we will be left with largely one major system to do. And we're in outstanding shape. Despite all of the work and the fact that some things took longer, some things took shorter, the overall program is in excellent shape. When and how will we know if ESR is having its intended impact for the campus? That's a great question. And having done some retroactive analysis of these sorts of things, the effects may take a decade to show up. And the way it shows up is that the university has grown and we're handling more volume, more transactions, more revenue, more expenses. But the headcount in the administrative lines has been relatively flat. Now, that's been the case the last 10 years anyway, even with the mainframe, but I think we've exhausted the art of the possible there because of all the jury rigged systems we've got uh, that are trying to pull data together through it. So I think the impact will be there. And I also think when we start to see the growth of machine learning being applied to these systems for next best action recommendations, automatic approvals, or automatic routing, pattern detection uh, within systems, for example, fraud detection within the finance system, or just out of pattern postings that might need attention. These are things that are that are going to be coming and will be, you know, ground zero of trying to lead all that. So for me, the two measures are going to be, what does our machine learning program look like in a couple of years? And if it's starting to grow and looks robust, that's a great sign. And then the five-year and a 10-year mark, did we really hold on the promise of doing this? And we will. Uh, you know, I've seen that many times in the past, and we'll, we'll see that here. Before we, we venture into some other topics, is there any last thing you want or need to say about ESR for the time being? No, you know, ESR, it's been a great hard lift for this unit and for the rest of campus and the university. When you when it's all said and done, we will have exited our data centers, exited our mainframe applications, moved entirely to the cloud for everything. And we have done so at a frighteningly low cost, which is fantastic. Uh, because when you say low cost, what that means is the staff knows more uh, rather than the consultants coming in and knowing more. So I look at that low cost as a good thing uh, in that we're kind of doing it ourselves by and large. And speaking of cost, you know, I think people probably have on their mind the financial and other impacts from coronavirus. We have our, our new budget year starting July 1. What can you tell us about the effect of coronavirus on our department budget and whether or not we're going to have to manage expenses any differently for the, the next year or so? First, I want to make a shout out to Pierre Ouillet and Pradeep Kassa, Elizabeth Simmons and Sandy Brown, and especially Pierre Ouillet, because this institution has been wonderfully managed during all of this very almost chaotic time in terms of budgeting. Pierre and Sylvia Lepe worked out what they think the budget cuts are likely to be. They've so far been correct. We have more watching to do in the legislature. So there's been a pretty much across the board, about 4% cut everywhere, but it measures into 10% in some areas and 4% in others. So it's not an equal 4% everywhere. And that's been well, well executed. We hate to do those things, but that's the reality in things here. So COVID is having an effect on the economy, no question. It will have an effect. Many of the state economies, and California is no different, are highly dependent on sales tax revenues and payroll tax revenues. And when those things start to decline, the the tax rolls decline big time. We tend to have a lagging effect, meaning the state budgets get impacted in the next year. 
so we expect while we might get anywhere from a 10 to 15 percent cut this year we've already absorbed the 10 percent from the state we expect that the following year there'll still be more reductions so hence we're starting to grow the revenue we're trying to grow revenue within ITS to help offset some of those expense reductions now we can't offset every expense with revenue that's impossible but it does help in terms of our budget so I've done budget cutting for three quarters of all of my years in CI- as a CIO in higher education. I went into this knowing that that would happen for the duration of my career. And while it's unpleasant, it's what we're called to do. And I couldn't be happier with how the institution has responded to this. We are in excellent shape because of all of this work that Pierre and Sylvia and others have been doing. What have you heard about any kind of plan in which IT services might return to Toy Pine Center South and our other work locations? There's an administrative team that I'm on that's looking hard at how to bring staff back to campus. For ITS, it's a little bit different because we've already been doing a whole lot of telecommuting for a lot of employees, and we're going to continue that. And actually, if we continue that, then those who do need to come back to campus or really do need a decent work environment because their homework environment isn't cutting it for them, that'll give them more space. And so they can very safely space in those buildings. So from ITS's standpoint, we're in no rush to be the first people back on campus. So we will follow the lead of bringing the researchers back to campus, which is underway, and then bringing the staff back to campus. While all this is going on, our hospital and our health experts are very carefully watching the data and the infections to make sure we don't get an overrun in the ICU. And of course, like everybody else nationally and internationally, we're looking at all the treatment options for COVID in terms of the uh, vaccine and antiviral medicines. And all of those are going to play a part as we return to campus. I think this return to campus, while it will get heavily started now this summer and into the fall, this will be ongoing until there is such a time that we have very adequate preventative and other treatments so that we don't shut people out of ICU units. So for ITS, it's uh, continue as we are, but now start to make adjustments for those employees who really do need a, a place to work other than home. And those who can stay at home like me, stay at home, give your space up to your fellow man so they can come in and space out appropriately. To your knowledge, what happens next with the Return to Learn coronavirus testing program? We, we did the pilot you know, test a few weeks ago. What happens next? Yeah, the Return to Learn testing program was very, very helpful because we learned a lot about deploying tests in the field, how accurate it would be, how the samples could be harvested and collected back, and certainly what the positive test rate, what we call the positivity rate, was. That experience learned from that is now going into formulating a much broader testing program to support students and staff coming back to campus. We are still working the details. We hope to get some announcements out this week or certainly not this week, by next week so that people are aware. But there's a lot of heavy lifting planning going on on how to accommodate a much higher level of testing on campus. We're also working in close concert with the county on this because the county in some ways is looking to our capabilities as a hospital and a public health entity to assist. And so some of our activities have to get coordinated with there, making it a little more challenging to coordinate. There's no question about it. We're going to be doing a bunch more testing. We just got to you know, do all the math and make sure we can get the, the capacity right and the testing level right to help ensure a safe campus as we come back. For the, the pilot phase, at least, what were the contributions and impact that IT services contributed to that? 
During the pilot phase of the return to learn, we had to quickly develop a mobile app with QR code scanning so that we could uh, scan the sample ID right there in the field with a student's phone and get them to at least indicate that they've completed the test. So ITS really helped there. We've been hard at work on more mobile development to support our return to campus here this fall, both for students and for staff. More to come on that. So we're heavily engaged on helping with the marketing and communication and improving any channels of communication. So we're kind of furiously stepping through a series of incremental changes that we are now trying to do in such a way that it'll help us in the short run but it will be a close to or our preferred approach in the long run as well. So that little bit of tying in long-term planning with short-term exigency is right here in front of us, and the teams are picking it up and running with it, which is great. And I know that the elements of continuous improvement and, and Lean Six Sigma played a big part in the return to learn. And that to me almost seems like a culmination of the many years we as a department at least have been have spent emphasizing those topics. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on the role of continuous improvement and, and Lean Six Sigma in the return to learn. During the return to learn pilot, certainly in the summer and now going forward, Bob Newart, who's been serving as the executive project manager for this, of course, Bob brings a lot of OSI background and experience with his unit leading a bunch of this as well. And then, of course, we loaned out Moshkan Amini to the effort so that she could apply her continuous improvement skills as well. When you enter a situation that is ambiguous and unfolding, having people like that on the ground is incredibly valuable. So having people who can think of this as adaptation, meaning each day, let's learn, let's adapt, let's do a little mini Kaizen, let's go out tomorrow, measure and adjust again, and rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. If you do that daily, in two, three, four weeks' time, you can have a very profound impact on what you're doing. And that is the absolute way to deal with situations like this. So uh, this is the time for Lean Six Sigma to shine and everybody with Lean Six Sigma skills to do their part where they can. When we have uncertainty and ambiguity like this, shorter iterations with quick learning is the best answer. Just, you know, in addition to return to learn and some of the other stuff we've talked about, what do we as IT services need to do this summer so that we can help campus be ready for fall quarter, regardless of what fall quarter looks like? What can ITS do to be ready in the fall? Well, I'm, <laughs> the first one is stay healthy. <laughs> Don't go get yourself sick. And that's, I say that with a little bit of a laugh, but it's not really a laugh. We're going to be entering the most difficult phase of living with COVID. And that's learning to now live with it by opening things up and moving about. Masking will be so critical. It's very clear to our hospital, and now scientists are figuring out that the masking, which initially was said, no, this is not an airborne disease, the initial reports are turned out to be completely wrong. Masking is so critical. So one of the ways of living with the disease is in a social setting, masking at all times. So, you know, I would keep yourself healthy, and when you do come back to work, follow all the protocols correct. The way you conduct your family life and everything, always be aware that you might be a vector that could infect somebody else. And so try to live your life that way. Those, to me, are right now so important that I think anything else that we do, we can do. So I just encourage people, we're entering the most critical, difficult, and dangerous phase of this, which is the next six months. And our actions will determine the outcome. Vince will be back in a few days for part two for his thoughts on the campus reaction to remote teaching, learning, and work, and where he thinks we go from here. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know 
that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.